You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove Podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Before we get started on this week's episode, I wanted to make a special announcement. I am going to be hosting my Arts Madness tournament again this year. This week on the website, whoartedpodcast.com, I am posting the brackets with all 64 different artists. And in addition to that, I have forms for people to make their predictions about which artist will be named the ultimate winner. One person who correctly predicts the winner will get a limited edition print from me, as well as the custom Arts Madness Champion t-shirt, and most importantly, the smug sense of superiority that comes from knowing that you were right all along. I tried to create a diverse field across multiple disciplines, and in the first round of our tournament, we're going to have Daguerre up against the subject of this week's episode, the amazing culinary artist, Duff Goldman. I feel like who art Ed? Who art it? Mr. Wood art Ed me. Either way, it, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and joining me once again today, I have my good friend, David Pittman. Thanks for joining me. Hey there. Glad to be here. So today should be a fun one. We're going to be talking about... Duff Goldman. And Duff Goldman, for those who do not do not know, is a pretty well-known culinary artist. I I like in this in this podcast medium to talk about artists of all sorts of different stripes, you know, because art is more than just a painting on a gallery wall. And Duff Goldman is someone who has really elevated and in my mind, redefined what like baked goods can be, you know, like Mm -hmm. when I look at, you know, he was famous for his, his series, um, the ace of cakes and a number of other television shows, but, um, you know, he does stuff that is just mind boggling with food, you know, it is. And and actually when you had, told me about him I, I hadn't 
known much. And as I looked at his work and I was seeing what he he was doing, the thinking of uh, food as sculpture and as well as a palette um, was just mind blowing to me. And it made me really question like, okay, when I really consider what is an artist, like where's the line between the everyday and the art? Um, yeah. And, and so I was so really excited to talk, talk about his, his work and, and how he goes about it. Yeah. And that's one of those things, as you talked about, like what is an artist? You know, I always like to, to think about, you know, sort of first principles, really, we do have to define what is an artist and what is art. And for me, like I, whenever I ask that question, the response is almost always examples of art. Like people talk about it's a painting, it's a sculpture. Um, but for me, it's like the broad definition that I feel like really works is art is the product of creativity. And that's why I want to cover art in lots of different forms. And Duff Goldman works across so many of them. So to get into his background, he was born December 17th, 1974. Uh, he was born in Detroit and then his family moved to Missouri. His actual name is not Duff. Um, I've, I've always seen and heard him referred to as Duff, but his actual name is Jeffrey. Um, but when he, when he was young, like his brother, you know, Willie was a toddler, unable to pronounce Jeffrey, and it just kept coming out as Duffy, and the name stuck, um, which I, I I find really just endearing, that like a grown man still goes by <laughs> his toddler brother's nickname for him. It's amazing you know? what the youngest child or the younger child of a family will create all the names that stick for generations, like whether it's grandparents or siblings or whatever, that mispronunciation it sticks for, for ages. Oh, absolutely. Like toddlers run the household <laughs> for like, there should be no illusions. Like my two-year-old dictates what is on television on, in my house every <laughs> night of the week. Um, right. and, and I think that is, that is something that is not unique to my household. Um, and it can have long, long lasting implications. Um, so that's where he got the name Duff. And, you know, he showed a proclivity for, for cooking or, you know, he loved cooking from an early age. Supposedly, like when he was just four years old, his mom caught him watching uh, Chef Tell on TV and like he's wielding a meat cleaver, which mm. <laughs> I mean, in some ways is like a cute story and in yeah. some ways is a horrifying story. Right. Um Circling but, back to like toddlers run the household. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they can they they can for for in good ways and in horrifying mm -hmm. ways they they can wield a lot of power. Um, but I, I, like I say, even from an early age, he was seeing because Chef Tell. I don't know if you're familiar, but Chef Tell mm -hmm. was like one of the first TV personality mm -hmm. chefs, like back in in the, I think it was in the seventies, late mm -hmm. seven. Yeah. It was in the like late seventies uh, was kind of his heyday. But, um, you know, it, it's funny, like one of those early, early, you know, experiences. And then, you know, Duff Goldman goes on to be a celebrity chef and, mm -hmm. um, having multiple shows and mentoring other young chefs. Like he's been on, um, he's been on like the kids baking 
competition mm-hmm. stuff as like the the judge and like mentoring and helping the kids and um, just seems like a cool guy from everything I've read. But one of the things that I, I noticed that's really struck me is, um, as I said, he was born in Detroit, then moved to Missouri, and then when he was like ten years old, his parents got divorced and he was living in both like Northern Virginia and Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Mm. So I would assume like a joint custody kind of situation, but like really seems like he was moving around a lot, which in some ways kind of cool. You're getting that experience of seeing different parts of the, the country immersed in different cultures and different experiences. But on the other hand, I just think like how difficult that had to be. That's the kind of thing that I I think, as I look at in someone's biography, like he's moving to so many different places, you got to learn to adapt to a lot of different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, You also get like, there can be, well, I don't mean to to hijack, but um, you can, you also start to get though an appreciation for multi, you're not stuck as well. And and I know you're going to go, we're going to talk about the rest of his life. Um, but it's amazing how these little pieces start to add up and add in and become a part of you. And what, how do you navigate that? What, what becomes your constant, you know, even between those movings and back and forths, um, yeah. Add to who you are. Yeah. And, and I think you're, you're putting it, um, probably better than what I, what I was saying, because what I was trying to get to there is, I think that was probably in some ways a formative thing. And, and I notice a resilience and adaptability about him as I look at what he's done. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like, and, and I think that experience of going to different, different places probably was influencing who he later became. Um, you know, then as a teen, he's doing the standard like entry level cooking jobs. You know, he worked at a bagel shop at the mall. He's, you know, a fry cook at McDonald's. And when he was in college, he went to like a fancy pants restaurant in Baltimore. Uh, it was called Charleston. And he he was so Im- impressed and enamored with it. He applied to cook there. He actually got to meet with the, the chef who looked over his resume and was like, yeah, McDonald's. McDonald's doesn't <laughs> prepare you for like the top restaurants, but I guess she was impressed enough that she did kind of take a chance on him. And even though his, his like CV or his resume, like experience was not entirely what you would expect for, for like the, the hoity toity restaurants. Um, she did allow him to to start doing stuff like making cornbread and biscuits for the restaurant. And he, you know, he took it. He, he you know, for for all we see these celebrity chefs and see like they're they're at the top of their game. You know, I think it's always nice to know, like he started somewhere. He did his he paid his dues and worked his way up. And I see like in his background, he worked, um, you know, he he got his bachelor's degree. He did his undergrad study, University of Maryland. And then he went to art school. He went to Corcoran College. Um, 
And then after that, he's going to culinary school, the Culinary Institute of America in, in Greystone, California. So, so again, we see him studying in Maryland. Then he's going to California. More travel, more experience, more learning from different people and different fields of study. Um, which I think is, again, really important because as I look at his body of work, he demonstrates a broad-based knowledge and understanding of lots of different things, lots of different techniques, lots of different approaches, not just to baking, but to culture and to art, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's the, you know, you, you try to tell kids in these days, like, you know, you're, you have a whole life ahead of you. You don't have to make a decision today. Like a lot of our high schoolers are being tracked on certain, like you're going to go into this when you graduate from here. And so many people who end up doing great things, uh, and it doesn't mean that's the only way, but like they, they find different life experiences or they study different things and they bring it together. And because they have such varied interests and, and are more rounded they're able to kind of create something of their own and not just follow a track. And that was something that stood out to me is that he was just willing to learn anything, anywhere that could fit into his kind of, and he made it fit into his path and he put them together. He didn't leave them as silos in his life. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's what, um, you know, we as teachers would talk about as the synthesis, you know, Mm -hmm. synthesizing or putting together these different strands of your education. And that's how, that's how innovation happens. And I think that's worth noting because at least to my experience, you know, he made a name for himself by, by baking and making cakes and, and other, other things that were not just delicious, but also beautiful and elevated um, beyond what what other people were doing. You know, mm-hmm. he's 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 applying his culinary skills and his fine arts, his drawing skills, his sculpting skills um, to bring it just to a whole nother level. Um, not to say that nobody else is doing that, but he's doing it at a level that, you know, even the, even most well-skilled bakers are not quite at that next plateau, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, like I said, he worked under great chefs. He w- worked around the country. So like, you know, he worked at famous places like the French Laundry in California. He, he was a pastry chef in a hotel in Vail. He, you know, went to D.C. and was baking bread in another um, big name chef's restaurant. And then in 2002 is when he opened Charm City Cakes, um, which is like the, the bakery that, that he became sort of famous for. Um, and he initially started it in his home in Baltimore. And then, you know, he sort of, he kept working and, and started to get more and more recognition. Uh, in 2005, he was on Iron Chef America. Uh, then 2006, he got his TV series, The Ace of Cakes, that just, you know, really launched him into becoming the high profile celebrity chef or baker that, that he is known as today. Um, he's been on 
numerous shows. Um, but one of the things that I really love is just the attitude that he seems to have because like I've, I've read, I've read quotes from interviews where he just talks about, he's like, he says, you know, I, I'm a cook who won the lottery, basically. You know, I he recognizes um, the unique opportunity and and stature that he has, and he does good with it. You know, he doesn't he he doesn't just like you know he doesn't have that ego that like it was owed to him that stature. He feels fortunate to to have gained the recognition and popularity that he has. And he tries to give back. So like in addition to the standard, like, oh, I'm going to be on these shows and I'm going to put out a cookbook, you know, he supports charities. He, he teaches, he mentors, you know, um, he, he works with like make a wish and no kid hungry and habitat for humanity. And that is something that I, I find really great. I always love when I can, you know, appreciate not just the art, but also see that the artist seems to be a good person as well. Mm. You know? Yeah. It gives almost a depth to the art that it's not about them. It's a, it is about giving and, and, and the art, it goes outward instead of just being their own process. Um, just cause their life reflects that. Um, well, and it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, for, for better or worse, in a lot of ways, our feelings about the art are influenced by our feelings about the artist, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, when there's a narrative, like, because part of that narrative, part of that story of who the artist is, how and why they created what they created, you know, it colors the way we view things. And when you've got a story of someone you want to root for, I think you appreciate the artwork differently. At least I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it happens a lot in our society, even with other professions. Is their character is, is um, outstanding. It, it highlights them. Um, and if their character isn't so outstanding, it can often uh, change the way we perceive their, their achievements. Um, they, their achievements might be great, but... Um, their character is not so yeah and like i've read so many studies about how like one of the biggest determinants of success is actually just like your social skills your personality and your ability to work with people i wonder if duff picked that up like by by moving and having to engage in new people and and having to make new friends or whatever like he learned to understand people better and and to be able to to network as well yeah, it's it's almost like this whole thing's coming full circle. You see how we did that there? <laughs> yeah. Um but I I like how you you made that that cohesive narrative for this backstory a little bit more explicit mm-hmm. um as I was just like circling around it and hinting <laughs> at it. Um always love when we can make the subtext text. Now I think it is probably appropriate for us to shift into the piece mm-hmm. for this week, which is I I picked out his elephant cake from, you know, because as a celebrity chef, you know, or celebrity baker, I, I wanted to pull something from one of his shows. And he did a competition show where it was like him against um, Buddy, another celebrity baker from, you know, who does a, a, another approach. 
And so it was a competition piece between the two of them with a Bollywood-inspired piece. And so I pulled Duff Goldman's Elephant Cake because, to me, this is just a stunning piece in its own right, but also just works on so many levels in terms of, like, what he was doing and all about and what he brings to to the field of baking. And so as you look at that elephant cake, what jumps out at you? I, you know, I want to say that at first it was the patterning of the Mendy patterning of, um, around it, but I will have to be honest that what stood out was the elephant's face. And I don't know the process behind this, but the texture the, the subtle textures that are happening, whether it's in the icing or the the, the base cake itself, um, it's just amazing how uh, even even if you go kind of um, even towards like the back legs, the small wrinkles mm-hmm. that are put in, um, it's just so uh, fine and so uh, methodical and intentional, and and it just creates this very realistic. Um, I could not. I would not look at this, and if someone told me it was a cake, I would like, no way. This is not. This is just like a statue. It's it's amazing what he was able to do with that. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Um, as I look at it, you know, you talk about the texture. That is gold leaf that he was hand applying, like meticulously, putting on these sheets of edible gold leaf, and he talked about how he was creating the textures as he went. Um, and the piping on there is also hand done. And it's all of that tiny little detail. Like when you look at, for me, the thing that, that struck me is just the, the radial symmetry. Um, mm. You know, like as he's doing that, he's hand drawing and not with like a marker, he's hand drawing with a, like a tool that you have to squeeze to get the piping. And, and the symmetry, is, it's like it's like flawless mm-hmm. on a rounded, curved, irregular form. Like that is some serious skill. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I, when I try to pipe icing at all, I mean, that is meticulous. Even with like the larger piping, I, it's, it, you have to appreciate the the fact of how intricate and how volatile the material that he's using can be to work with. Um, he's it's like he's creating his own paints, he's creating his own uh, medium, and then you know because he's he's creating that icing first and then he's applying it, and so um, there's just so much that goes into that. Yeah, it's like I say, it's just the meticulous level of detail. And I I love the the way he is, you know, taking the inspiration for like like Bollywood and bringing in these cultural connections. As we talked about, he's a guy who learns, who studies, who who knows what he's doing in terms of like cultural connections and, and his artistry. So, you know, he he's got the the elephant, which is you know, probably a fairly obvious symbol and he's got the radial symmetry, the ornate decoration and all of that stuff. Um, But then he's got the little things like 
the movement of the leg. Yeah. The, you know, like the, the one leg is up a little bit like it's, like it's going to take a step. Um, there's a little bit of curve to the trunk and to the tail. And so, like, it's not that static, flat sculpture. Just gives it a whole realistic feel to it. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about this piece? I think we got it pretty good. And I'm wrapping it up. I want Just a three-point rating scale. And where should this hang? The Louvre? Is this something to look at? The lab? The lab. Is this something to learn from? Or the loop. British for the bathroom. Yeah, there's a the loop joke in there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Where would you put this piece? <laughs> in my dining room. Um, <laughs> I would want to eat it. No, it's it's funny because when I was thinking about that, um, you know, it, it doesn't belong in a gallery. It doesn't, I, I don't believe. Um, it it belongs in a in a bakery or in a window i some you know to be seen by yeah. the masses and appreciated for what it came from um yeah. to put it near any other kind of art would almost detract from both both art pieces of art um it needs to be displayed in its surroundings of baked goods um yeah i would i would be mortified to cut into it though I know that's that's the thing. It always feels weird to to cut into something that is that is so nice, um, which is I, I guess why so many people like my my family always takes pictures of of a cake before we cut into it. And it's like yeah. I, on the one level I get it because it's it's something that someone worked hard on. It's beautiful. It's created. And, and then on the other hand, it's like when are we going to look at pictures of cake? Oh, I have them framed in my house. You don't have them framed. (laughs) I mean, on some level, you totally could, though, as like a pop art kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But I, I, I would agree. This, like, putting this in a gallery, like, it it feels a little Miss Havisham to me. You know, as the cake just decays. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's 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 meant to be temporary. It's meant to be enjoyed and then consumed. And mm. so, so, so in that vein, I, I don't think I would flush this piece, but, you know, I, on my three, three option scale, I'd say this is mainly one for the Lou. Um, <laughs> not, not as a, not as a judgment of its quality, certainly, but in terms of its role as being something that's not meant to be held around forever. You know, you you don't like coat this in resin so you can preserve it indefinitely. It's meant to be, you know, taken for the moment and and then you move on. Agreed. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me once again. It is always a pleasure talking to you. You always bring good insights and clarity as <laughs> I tend to ramble. Oh, come so on. It was, a, it was my pleasure. <laughs> This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted? If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.